I mean, it's a preposterous thing for me to own. It's been in this box for like six, 2014. It's been in my closet for eight years, nine years. <laughs> oh. Take that zen out. What's going on, everybody? NBA Strategy Show, Monday, January 15th. I am Josh Engelman. I'm joined by Matt Bellman. We have a five-game main slate tonight. Both DraftKings and FanDuel said, we're going to make the early games as uninteresting as possible. There are two different slates across both sites. It's two games and three games in the morning for DK. They didn't try to help us out either. So we're going five-game main, and that is what we're breaking down. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Follow us both on Twitter. Matt, how was your weekend? Pretty good. It still feels like the weekend, though. Am I alone in that assessment? No. I I felt last night, I was just like, huh, it's Sunday night. Certainly doesn't feel like Sunday night. And yet here we are starting off another work week. But I'm with you. It feels longer. The two football games today, MLK Day, we talked yeah. a little bit before. A shame what DK and Fandle, I guess, have done to this slate, which could have been a really, really good one. It could have. That is unfortunately... Not what we are getting, though, today. So we're going to break this one down. This one locks tonight at 7. You've got a 7 o'clock start, two 7.30s, a 9, and a 10.30. Um, and that 10.30 is going to be a big, big problem because we've got a Q tag on SGA, and that will make Oklahoma City look quite different if he happens to be out. Are you ready to break down this slate? I am ready. Well, then here we go. The Chicago Bulls are four-point underdogs in Cleveland. 221 total for Chicago. Seems like everybody's going to be in. I don't think we have anything to worry about too much here. The only piece of news that we will be waiting on for this game, Patrick Williams, is questionable. That is mildly relevant. Uh, that's a, enough minutes, but with they have kind of dialed his role back a little bit lately, so not as interesting. And then for Cleveland, it's still no Darius Garland, still no Evan Mobley. Chicago side is pulling basically the same ownership to anybody with a pulse. Call it 15% ownership to Caruso, 10 to DeRozan, 15 to Vooch. Call it 15 to Patrick Williams, 15 to Zach Levine. When you look at the Bulls today in this spot, low total, do you see anybody that you immediately have your eye on? No, the Bulls still look pretty good because their pricing, I don't think it's caught up to where it will. But when you've got Levine, DeRozan, and Booch all healthy, nothing stands out here, like you said, in a tougher matchup against Cleveland. They all look really similar to me, which makes sense considering they're all getting about the same uh, ownership. DeRozan, yeah. if I had to pick one, would be that guy. 7,400 just looks really good, but... You could say the same with Vooch, Levine. Ultimately, I don't think any of these guys are like ultimate priorities here. I think they're all fine if you get to them. Do you see it similarly? I do. Um, I'm basically right at the field. I didn't mention the ownership on Kobe White. He's at 10% as well. I'm basically right at the field for Caruso, White, DeRozan. I'm a little under on Vooch, which, does, which doesn't really surprise me. The center slate has just like a lot of guys that look like they're projected for around 5X, whether that's Vooch, Jared Allen, Bam, uh, Nick Claxton, uh, Miles Turner. Uh, we can keep going. Chet, you know, you've got AD who has power forward eligibility, which really helps. So I see all of those guys the same. I am getting to a lot of Patrick Williams right now. 
4,400 small forward power forward. He's in 40% of my lineups. Uh, I don't expect that to continue by the time that we get to lock, even if he is in. I think it's just a testament of in our ownership projections right now, we're showing some pretty big numbers to guys that I'm not getting to. And I'm just kind of flipping him into one of those value spots. We don't have really any major value opportunities that feel good. So I understand why it's happening. I'll probably dial it back a little bit later because it's not that I think he looks great. I think he's just fitting a particular situation that I need, but we will have better looking value and cleaner ownership projections at six o'clock tonight than we do at 10. Not a, not an indictment on our ownership. It's just early and we need more info. Yeah, for sure. You look at the value on this slate, as you said, it's pretty much non-existent when just scanning through the boom bus tool, the first player under 5k to even show up in the boom bus tool that's on this slate is Keontae George, uh, 4,900. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like way down there. So I think that tells you all you need to know about why Patrick Williams is viable if he's in. Yeah. And we're showing the same thing too in that boom bust tool, 23% chance of being optimal, 13% ownership. So one of two things is going to happen. We're either going to see that optimal rate come down a little bit later on in the day, or we're going to see that ownership climb a little bit. I would expect it to climb a little bit, assuming he is in just because we don't have that kind of value. So because he's not good 0.73 fantasy points per minute for Patrick Williams over the past 30 days, you've got this full strength team again, where Levine is back in the starting lineup, playing big minutes. Vooch is back in the starting lineup, playing big minutes. DeRozan didn't go anywhere. Kobe White's still there. So it's not like Patrick Williams is just soaking up opportunity with guys out. He's just kind of a dude that makes things work. Yeah. Completely see it. eye to eye. And after that, like we, we also have a Cleveland team that's, you know, top five in defense, even with no Evan Mobley, you know, for a pretty extended amount of time. The Bulls are 23rd in pace. The Cavs are 25th in pace. It's a 221 total. That's 20 points lower than Boston and Toronto. It's 26 points lower than Indy and Utah. It's really just not a great game environment, but you still need to get to all of the guys that play real minutes. They're just so cheap. It's definitely not a good game environment, as you were saying. And if these guys were their normal price tags, 8K plus, I don't think you'd even really be needing to look at them. But because they're not, it's a smaller slate. We just talked about how there's no value. Those guys at least need to be in the mix for sure. I'm with you. Do you think we create anything interesting if Patrick Williams happens to be out? Are we getting to like a $3,500 Dale and Terry at that point in time? Is that where we finally create a little bit of value? I mean, sure, but. Or Javon Carter, I guess. These guys just aren't good from a fantasy perspective. So we don't have like a TJ McConnell step in. Now, the counterpoint to that is we don't have a lot of value. So the Javon Carters, Dalen Terry's of the world would become in play. But neither of those guys are going to become like the Jaden Hardy from the other day or anything close to that. Yeah, Terry, 3,500, small forward, power forward. Javon Carter, 3,400, point guard, shooting guard. Last time out for the Bulls with Patrick Williams out on the 13th. You got 24 minutes out of Javon Carter. They didn't really go to Dale and Terry. I don't, you know, like read into that however you want, uh, depending on who you think that's going to be. You also saw Ayo Desunmu up in minutes. He's 5K already. So even if he is getting that sort of minutes bump, you're not really squeezing out a ton of value. You're hoping that you can project someone like Javon Carter for enough minutes. 
Yeah, I think that's all it really is. Uh, AO at, at 5K is something. Yeah, like 0.76 fantasy points per minute over the last 30 days. You get him to 20. Let's say you give him those 28 minutes. That gets him to like a 21 fantasy point projection at 5K. We're talking about 4.2X. He already looks worse than everybody else I've already mentioned. So it would really have to be one of those sub 4K guys to really squeeze out any value. But I, I see Chicago as just like, if you want one of the starters, they all kind of look the same. Yeah, for sure. And the other problem with Chicago is, and who knows what news we'll get, but if Shea is out, a guy like Jalen Williams becomes so much of a better play than these Chicago guys, and we might not have that news. Yep, very, very true. Similar situation on the opposite side for Cleveland. Uh, they do have one piece of injury news that could really open things up. Max Struess is questionable for today. He, this is, you wouldn't expect Max Struess to be such a swing piece, but he played seven minutes on the 11th. Knee is a little dinged up. We don't know totally what his status will be today. At least it's a seven o'clock game. So we will get that info. If he is in, which is how everything is projected right now, we have single digit ownership going to everybody on the DraftKings side, uh, 10 to 15 coming into Okoro, Allen, and Struess on the FanDuel end. I am getting two pretty big stands for Cleveland, but let's just start with the guy that's easiest to talk about. How do you feel about $9,800 point guard shooting guard Donovan Mitchell projected for 9% ownership right now? I like him here. He looks like one of the better spend-up options on the slate. Maybe not like the best, but... He always carries a ton of upside, even though it's not the best matchup in the world. Low total, as you alluded to. I mean, as of right now, he really stands out from a leverage perspective. 16% chance to be optimal, only 8.5% ownership. One of those is going to change. Yep, absolutely. If if they come even closer together, you know, get to 12 or 13% on ownership. I have 34% Mitchell, so I am seeing that optimal rate be that gap, and it is creating a situation where I am getting to him. The downside to that, however, if you watched my prize picks content earlier today, I took the under on points, rebounds, and assists for Donovan Mitchell. So I am flying directly in the face of it. I'm going to play Donovan Mitchell in DFS, as it looks right now, and I am going to also hope that he fails so that I could do well on prize picks. My goal will be for Donovan Mitchell to have 10 blocks and steals, which is not included in a points, rebounds, and assists prop. It's my only path to, to try to middle this situation. If that happens, it's definitely your day. Um, yeah. It's not not like it'd be the craziest thing, although that's pretty out there. The thing with Mitchell and the Shea news also impacts him too because, you know, first off, Shea is right in his price range. Uh, they look yeah. like similar praise right now given the – They do. You know, basically the same price point. And if Shea is out, it makes Mitchell easier to get to. So this news, like yeah. you said at the beginning, it kind of sucks that all of it is is based on that late game. Yeah, and we're also seeing, like, Shea, not that Shea doesn't look great, because he does. He is the chalk payup option. He's currently projected for 25% ownership. That also makes me like Donovan Mitchell at 9% ownership. If that's going to be, you know, close to three to one difference, I don't think that SGA is just beating Donovan Mitchell relative to salary as frequently. So you're seeing that in the optimal rate compared to the ownership, where I think Donovan Mitchell looks like a very natural, solid GPP pivot to paying up to Shea. Yeah, agree with that for sure also. So, yeah, Mitchell looks good here. Um, He is the most expensive, but he is probably the best piece of this entire game, uh, just from a DFS perspective at least. 
Do you like anything else here? I'm getting to a bit of a Coro. Uh, I think you could explain him in the exact same way that I am getting Patrick Williams. Just one of those things where that position specifically in price range is needed. You know, the, the guy that immediately comes to mind when we think about Max Struess potentially being out is Sam Merrill, who started yep. the second half in Paris. He's 5K, though. So, yeah, nah, no thanks there. I think it would be Karis LeVert. Um, he's probably, how much is, is Karis LeVert? Yeah, he's 6,700. Yeah. Like, not really. I mean, it's Mitchell and then a huge drop off to everyone else. Yeah. Now, if Struess ends up out, then you're at like the huge drop off narrows. You're, sure. you're looking at Levert a little bit more. You're looking at Sam Merrill a little bit more for sure. Maybe you're looking at a little bit more of Craig Porter, although I don't necessarily think it, they've kind of phased him out a bit lately. But, you know, with Sam Merrill at 5K, you want to go from like a we have him currently projected for 20 minutes. You get that up to 26 or 27. You start to have a little bit better of a shot at getting to him from a value perspective, 0.99 fantasy points per minute over the past month, probably not his true talent level, but we, you get a little bit more value out of Cleveland. If we do lose Struess, if he's in, you're really just kind of taking shots at some of these guys. They become GPP pivots more than anything else, because we've got a game with a 241 total, a 247 total, a 238 total. It's just going to look better than this game. The only other guy to speak on, I think is Jared Allen. Um, Yeah. He's also priced up, so like definitely just a tournament play at this point. But he's shown a bunch recently that he still has upside at this price. It is a smaller slate, so he's at least in the tournament player pool, if nothing else. Yeah, 8,500 for Allen. He has been red hot this past month. 1.4 DraftKings fantasy points per minute in that last 30 days. We're talking about somebody that's usually in like the 0.15 or 1.15 to 1.2 range. So he is on quite the heater and you're seeing it in the price. That makes him difficult to get to unless you're sort of paying up to be contrarian. Definitely, because it's like the inverse of the Mikhail Bridges to Rose that we've been talking about. You will not see Jared Allen ever at like 9K. This is as high maybe that he's ever been. Um, yeah. The one thing for me that at least is is nice with Mobley out in the past 30 days or since Mobley's been out, Allen's touches are up 40 per game. That's crazy. Yeah, he is. They are running this entire team very differently to where they normally are. I mean, he today is one, two, three, four, five. He's the eighth most expensive player on today's slate. You would have not expected that ever. Um, Ever. He has not been more expensive than this all that frequently. I don't know. Like some of this is going to be context dependent. He was 10,500 on a day on the last day of 2021 in a matchup against Atlanta. Now that could just be like a two game slate. Like it was a two game main and you know, everybody was out or something like that. Other than that, 9,100 was the highest price that I saw. That was in uh, a little, little later than that at, uh, against Indiana, 9,100. And then he had like an 8,700 and an 8,600. But this is basically as high as you'll ever see Jared Allen. I'm trying to think as a Cleveland fan, I'm not even sure off the top of my head, when he was traded from Brooklyn to Cleveland. Because I feel like the first one was when he was with Brooklyn, although I could be completely off. December 31st, 2021. Let's find out. Let's see if I can find it. I think he was on Cleveland. 
He was traded on January 14th, 2021. So yes. Okay. Yeah. He was on Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Something was going on with the Cavs at that. I point couldn't even tell you the context of that game. Why Allen would ever be so high. Was it showdown slate? Like, no, Well, like, it was new year's Eve. So like they must've just, it must've just been something weird. It had to be, it had to be a small slate or the, What's what's also possible? It could just be an error in the uh, DraftKings like player log for him. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at the game log now. I don't know why I'm digging into this, but okay. So here were the start. Here was this was the starting five for the Cavs that day: Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, Laurie Markkinen. Pour one out for uh, Laurie Markkinen on the Cavs. Isaac Okoro and Kevin Pangos. Wow. <laughs> Kevin Love played 30 minutes that, that day. Brandon Goodwin played 25. Lamar Stevens played 16. Yeah, that's uh that happened. That I still happened. can't and even, even I can't even fathom a scenario where he was that expensive. I still can't. My guess is that that salary is being dragged in from something incorrectly and he wasn't really that. That's my Probably. guess. I don't know. Anything else for uh, for Cleveland? Because right now, I don't think there's much to say. Nah, pretty shitty game from a, a DFS perspective. But if if guys are out, pricing is pricing. So at least they're to take a look at. All right, folks, schedule for the rest of the day. You're going to get an NFL show coming up next at 11 a.m. We'll have an NHL strategy show at 2 p.m. Nope, maybe that's not true. I'm pretty sure that was on the schedule. I don't think that that show is actually happening, though. Jordan, yes or no? NHL strategy show? Pretty sure I copied that out of the schedule this morning. 3.30 p.m. NFL Live Before Lock. That one I can guarantee is happening. That's for showdown. 5 p.m. You get the NBA deeper dive. And then at 6 p.m. NBA Live Before Lock. Lots of sports today. Early day basketball Two NFL games should be a really fun day. Also, it's things will be way more fun if you use our avatar. Go to stochastic.com slash avatar. Grab our logo. Use it on DraftKings, FanDuel, Owner's Box, Yahoo. Finish in the top three of a contest with 5,000 or more entries. You will get one month of whatever you want at Stochastic. If it's an NBA package, you'll get projections, ownership, boom bust, Sims tool, contest generator, lineup generator. It's an incredible deal. All you have to do is tweet your result at StochasticHOF on Twitter. We want to show off your success. We want people to see that you had our avatar. And we want to reward you with a month of whatever you're looking for. So make sure you're clicking that link in the description or the one in chat. The Miami Heat are one and a half point underdogs in Brooklyn. 217 total. Not a lot going on here for Miami in that. We can't really talk too much about them. They are on a back-to-back. We don't know who's available. Jaime Hawkes got hurt yesterday uh, in the midst of me being 2X on him and him having a fantastic first half. That was awesome. We don't expect him to play today, and I'm guessing he's not going to be playing for a bit. He didn't travel Um, with them today. Okay, perfect. Uh, We don't know the status of Jimmy Butler, technically. We don't really know the status of anybody for Miami. Doesn't seem to matter in the ownership. 8%... Coming into Bam Adebayo is the high mark on DraftKings. It's not like he's uh, positively leveraged. The only positive leverage you get is someone like 2% owned Tyler Hero should be 4%. 
Miami looks pretty bleak here. This is also the game with the lowest total. Miami 30th in pace, Brooklyn 20th in pace. Just ugly unless we find out multiple dudes are out. Yeah, this game looks even worse than the game we just talked about, which is kind of tough to do. When you look at this slate, or when, not you, but the proverbial you looks at this slate, and you're like hand building, I think it makes a lot of sense to backload. I mean, you've got the two best games clearly late tonight and also the Shea news. Um, This game, you can certainly pick pieces from, you know, Bam especially is probably the top overall piece from this game. And then with Hakez out, you know, presuming Butler's out, I think Miami will have some value pieces to play. But this is not a game I want like a ton of exposure to, at least as of right now. I think it's hard to get to the value. Here are six guys that will play relatively large minutes for Miami today and their prices. Jovic, 5,500. Lowry, 5,100. Love, 5,300. Richardson, 5,400. Duncan Robinson, 5,800. Caleb Martin, 5,600. Those six guys are all in the mid-5Ks. So it's really hard to even figure out which one of those dudes you want to pick out of the all the same guys that look that are playing for Miami today. You expect Haywood Highsmith to step into that role in Hawkes' spot. He started in the second half yesterday. He's 4,600 power forward only, 0.71 fantasy points per minute. And I don't think him playing more minutes with Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo is going to make him a better per minute dude. So I don't know if we really squeeze anything out of Miami unless we lose another player. Yeah, it's also not a great matchup. So I'm with you. Like those guys become more appealing than they would have been, but it's almost like they go from completely out of play to just, you can look at them. Not going to be good. Not going to be good. The Brooklyn side. I mean, to me, equally as unappealing, but the ownership is not telling the same story. Uh, Dayron Sharp is out for Brooklyn. We have 20 to 25% ownership coming into Mikel Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Dennis Smith Jr., $4,800 point guard. We've got 10 to 15 coming in on Cam Johnson and Nick Claxton, and then kind of just scattered ownership everywhere else. Seems like we're going to be getting to Brooklyn a little bit more than Miami, but it's not like they look awesome. They just happen to be priced weird. Yeah, they are priced weird. I don't love Brooklyn either, but then I look at a guy like Cam Thomas who – I rarely play in DFS. He's only 5,300 or 5,800. He's one of those like Donovan Mitchell guys we talked about earlier, 17% chance of being optimal, only 5% ownership. Like, yeah, if that stays the same, give me all the Cam Thomas, but it won't. I would imagine his ownership rises just because we don't have value plays. Like, I understand Mikel Bridges at 7,300. I think Nick Claxton is probably my favorite piece, you know, with no Dayron Sharp. He's only 7,200, but it's not a great spot. I don't love him here. Like, at the end of the day, you know, I'm not sure how many lineups I'm going to play tonight, but if I end up with no Brooklyn, that's fine with me. I think we might be a tad high on Cam Thomas right now. I mean, we're showing the 5% ownership, 17% optimal. We have him in for 28 minutes. Now, he played 34 and a half. Last time out, he was he, on fire. Right. So he played the all of the fourth quarter, 12 minutes. He subbed in for Spencer Dinwiddie and played the final eight and a half minutes of the third quarter. He played 20 straight minutes to close this game out. In the previous, previous, uh, we'll go eight games. 
18 minutes, 24 minutes, 18 minutes, 20 minutes, 26, 24, 12, and 23. Even if you want to say, like, you got that's a very specific outcome for him to get to that minutes total. 28 feels a little lofty. I have him in for 22, and I'm pretty comfortable going up to like 24 at this point, maybe 25. Uh, I, I I think we're just a little heavy for what we got. I assume Spencer Dinwiddie continues to like start and play that role, but he played 15 and a half minutes, was negative 20 in this game. Not only was he massive negative, Dorian Finney-Smith was negative 17 in 14 minutes. They took him out in the third quarter. He never saw the floor again. Cam Johnson, they took him out in the third quarter. He never saw the floor again. They closed with Lonnie Walker, Cam Thomas, Dennis Smith Jr., Nick Claxton, and Mikkel Bridges. I don't think it always plays out like that. So I think the minutes are a little weirder for Brooklyn. That's a like, I do like Dennis Smith Jr. Who's been seeing his minutes ramp up a little bit lately. 22. I have him in for 22 at 48, uh, 4,800 bridges. price looks fine for a shooting guard, small forward. Claxton is fine today. I, I, I'd see these guys as more like lineup filler. Like you, you get one net, but it's maybe it's Cam Johnson, maybe it's Dorian Finney-Smith, maybe it's Mikel Bridges, maybe it's Claxton. I don't think anybody stands out. I think they all look relatively similar. Yeah, I agree. And the other guy you mentioned that I don't want to play, but that's back is Lonnie Walker. So yeah, he messed up the rotations in in that Paris game. And on one hand, I'm like, I like a guy like Cam Thomas because if he's playing well, he's going to play more minutes. If he's not playing well, your lineup probably wasn't doing great anyways. But I'm not sure he's cheap enough for that. Like. He's not expensive, but he's still around yeah. 6K. Like, you want, you need, like, to feel real good about playing Cam Thomas here, like, close to 40 DraftKings points. Like, he just doesn't do, like, that. those games will happen, but even if he plays the minutes, like, he's certainly not guaranteed to get there. So, I'm kind of with yeah. you. I, I hope that the optimal percentage comes down, to be honest. I think it will. I think the ownership in this case is a little bit more right than the Same. optimal. Well, like the, I don't, the, so here's the easy way to describe this for everybody. The optimal is correct for yeah. Cam Thomas playing 28 right. minutes. If Cam Thomas is suddenly playing 26 minutes, that optimal goes from 17 to like nine. And now we've got a very different scenario on our hands. So it's not that the optimal is wrong. It's correct for what is in 28 minutes is just a lot for Cam Thomas in this spot. It's, it can happen for sure, but I think we might be a little early based on that most recent rotation to see that he's just falling into this time. If Spencer Dinwiddie isn't just playing like absolute ass, he might just be closing that game and we're looking at a different kind of split. He was like sick last game too, Dinwiddie. It came out right before that he was sick. He might not play. He ended up playing. Okay. Um, so I'm with you. Like We're not saying Camp Thomas can't get there, but it takes yeah. a certain set of circumstances for that to play out here. And yep. I'm with you in that it's more likely not to play out that way than to play out that way. I'm with you. I'm with you. I like Brooklyn more than I should, but I don't like anybody in particular. I think you said yeah, that 12% Cam Thomas, 14, 14 Dorian Finney-Smith, 16 Bridges, 16 Claxton. Like I'm just sitting right around 15% for everybody. They got bodies now. I know Dayron Sharp's out, but Lonnie Walker being in the mix, like they've yeah. got a lot of interchangeable pieces. They really do. It's we're, we're lucky that they put uh, names and numbers on the back of those uniforms because it could get pretty bleak for Brooklyn. Yep. Insert another wing that looks like all the other wings <laughs> right here. All right, this one's a little bit different. 
Boston Celtics, seven and a half point favorites in Toronto, 241 total. Basically single digits across the board in ownership. And it's really right around 10% for White, Brown, Tatum, Holiday, and Porzingis. The big piece that we have to worry about for this one, Jalen Brown is questionable. If he ends up out, that just makes every single one of those starters look a little bit better. Do you have anybody that jumps out for you from Boston? Or are you looking at it like, I'll take any one of those starters? I'll definitely take any one of those starters. Uh, no one like that I think you have to lock in right now because pricing is pretty on point here. But yeah, they're in a good spot. And the other thing about Boston here, this doesn't like really matter, but they are like they're the best team on this slate. It would be surprising if a couple guys from Boston aren't, you know, at least tournament viable here. Yeah. That said, like I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you just like choose one and run with it over all the others. Yeah, I agree. Like I like Tatum the most. I don't think that's like controversial opinion. Oh, you <laughs> liking Jason Tatum. But you tell me that I have Jalen Brown in a lineup. You tell me I have Drew Holiday. Like I, they're just to me interchangeable parts. They're all fine. Borderline decent here in a matchup with, you know, Toronto might be playing a little bit faster than they were, but 19th in defense. It's not that tough of a spot. There's no Yaka Pertle on the opposite side. If he's anything, he's a, a defensive minded guy. So I, I'm just scattering through the, the starters, kind of like I always do for Boston. But if we lose Jalen Brown, Tatum gets a big bump. Porzingis gets a big bump. Drew and Derek White certainly look better than they would if uh, if Brown were in. You don't see this often, especially in NBA DFS, but Boston is so good that it's hard to narrow and key in on one of their guys any single game because they're one of the only – their fifth best starter could take over any game. So, like, yeah. it's really difficult to just sit there and, and pinpoint one of the guys. That said, they're all in play, as you as you alluded to. The other major problem for Boston is that their defense is so good that they don't yeah. have to blow teams out. Like they can blow teams out in reverse by right. stopping them from scoring. So Boston can have a, a median outcome offensively, but still win by 20 because the other team couldn't get anything done. Those are the tricky spots. The teams that you really like to get to are the good offense, bad defense teams like Indiana, where it's like, oh, when they go crazy, everybody just looks better. The whole game improves. In this one, it's just like, okay, Toronto might just score 80. Boston scores 98. The game's never competitive, but nothing is created out of Boston. Amen to that. And now we get to the Toronto side. Now, I think this is pretty easy to talk about. We've seen Thad Young get the start since Jakob Hurdle's been out. Uh, I wonder who talked about that on shows. <laughs> 20 to 25% ownership coming into Emmanuel quickly, Dennis Schroeder, and RJ Barrett. We've got 10 coming into Gary Trent, 4,300 point guard shooting guard. Spoiler alert, he's one of those guys I'm getting to. And then we have the highest owned guy in this one, 36% ownership to a $4,100 Thad Young. Now, I hate it. I am way under on that number. I went 22 minutes. We've got 19 and a half. We have him pretty sizably negative leverage. I will run away from Thad Young at 36% ownership today just because of that ownership. He's an all right point per dollar play. He's at 12.5% usage in the three starts that he's had so far. He's just a guy that's out there to like keep the pieces together. He's not getting shots over Scotty Barnes and RJ Barrett and Pascal Siakam and Emmanuel Quickly and Dennis Schroeder and Gary. There's nothing left for him. I think this is bad ownership. Yeah, I understand it because we don't have value. 
but I yes. also think it's bad ownership. His price has now risen. I know people don't, you know, think that the 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 difference from 3K to 4,100 is all that big, but it's about as big as you can get. His price tag is now 33% higher than it was. That matters. He also didn't start the second half of that, or that last game. They started Porter and I can't remember over Young and Barrett. So that also gives me some cause for pause. Like I said, I understand it because we don't have a lot of guys in his price range that are worth playing. I'd rather just avoid this price range than play Thad Young at this ownership. Uh, yeah, they went to they went to Porter and Gary Trent over Thad okay, and Trent. R.J. Barrett. I mean, they were getting the absolute shit kicked out of them in that one too. It wasn't uh, things weren't going well. For I thought Barrett still played like thirty plus minutes, anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he still got his run, but I mean, they were down sixty four forty seven at the half. So I think they were just trying to mix it up a little bit. They yeah. made that change. Pascal Siakam scored eighteen real points in that rotation to start off the third quarter. RJ Barrett then came in played like, you know, 10 plus minutes straight. The game was over at the end of the fourth quarter. And then they just closed with their bench mob. But yeah, like I, I think I'm more optimistic on Thad Young's minutes than we are. And I still can't get to him because of that ownership. Very curious to see where that ends up by the end of the day. What do you want to do with the rest of Toronto? Because I kind of like some of these guys. Yes. Yeah, same. You just talked about Siakam. I kind of like Siakam as a tournament option. He's 8K, so fairly priced. I wouldn't say he's like yeah. too cheap, but he's certainly yeah. not too expensive. You know, maybe if they, I doubt they they start with that rotation that they, they started the second half with last game, but that would certainly seem like a boost to him. Guys like Quickly, I think, are a little bit too expensive now. And I'm wondering what your take is on Scotty Barnes. It seems like after this trade, his production has dropped. So I don't have much. He's 8,800 point guard, small forward. Usage is still there. Um, assist rates is, is still kind of there. But it's, I mean, they brought in two guys that are certainly offensive oriented in Quickly and Barrett, and they got rid of one guy that wasn't. So uh, it, it's certainly on paper, he's going to just have less opportunity because the t- the construction of the team is different. Even still, with no Yaka Pertle out there, like you're just taking off another guy that, you know, like when they go small and they go to like Siakam at the five situations, that's also just putting on more offensive oriented Toronto dudes. So I don't have much of Barnes. I think we're going to see that price come down a little bit. Same. I think he's really hard to get to. And again, I'm not not playing him because of this. I don't really care. But he's got over 40 DraftKings points one time since the trade. Like that yeah, is that's, lineup killer at close to 9K. It really is. I'm getting, you know, neutral on Schroeder. I'm a little bit over on Gary Trent. I'm a little bit under on Quickly, but I would happily flip those if I could. My biggest stand is RJ Barrett, 6,500 shooting guard, small forward. He's a fantasy point per minute dude. Usage isn't going anywhere. He seems to be, you know, just a, a function of this team. Did it go well last time out? No, but still played 30 minutes without closing. Uh, I have him in for 34 today. We have him in for 31, so I might be a little lofty. Um, but he's the guy that I like the most here from Toronto. Yeah, I like him. He's getting a little bit too much ownership for my liking right now, but this is also another one I could see. One of these is going to change. Projected for 27% ownership, you know, 17% chance of being optimal. Could see yeah. those numbers getting closer together. And also, even if they don't, like, it's pretty easy to balance that out with like a Cam Thomas or what, whoever it is. So it doesn't yeah. really matter. Anything else for Toronto? What about Jonte Porter? 
Yeah, uh, $4,200 center. It's interesting to see Thad Young be 36% owned and Porter six. Like you can very easily see what the dynamic is of like, not that should, it. he's, they're not six to, he's not six to one to beat him. You see our optimal rates where it's Thad Young at 27, Jonte Porter at 18. I think that's the relationship of what that ownership should be. I think both of those numbers are extreme, but if you're going to get Jonte Porter being 6% owned and Thad being 36, you just immediately want to play more Jonte Porter in a large field contest. Like if you knew those two numbers for sure, you would play more Jonte Porter by default because they're not all that different of dudes. So I like him, but I don't think the data is going to look like it does now in like at five o'clock tonight when we start the deeper dive. And I think that disparity between the two is going to be balanced at that point. Yeah, I'm with you. Like right now, I like him a lot because of that gap in ownership, et cetera. If that suddenly changes, then my interest in him comes down a lot. I don't know why, but I was under the impression that Thad Young also had power forward eligibility. He does not, which makes him (laughs) that much worse of a play in my eyes. I I agree. I think we're going to see that number come down pretty dramatically. I think maybe you even see Porter climb a little bit. And then you're getting, you know, like, mid 20s to thad young and like 12 to porter and i think that'll look much more balanced on paper i'd still rather play porter but it becomes a pretty similar play yeah i agree with you there bet mgm is the sponsor of this show if you want to take advantage of this offer if you're in a legal betting state you should do it if you bet five dollars you get 158 dollars in bonus bets two $50 bonus bets and a $58 bonus bet that now that bonus amount is based on Super Bowl 58 plus they're tacking an extra hundred onto it. Worst case scenario. If you take advantage of this offer, you lose your $5 bet and you lose all three of your bonus bets. You're only down $5 of your own cash. That is an incredible way to start. You hit one or two of those bonus bets. You're starting off with a much better bankroll and you could use odd shopper to find out more plays if you're looking for it links for odd shopper in the description click the link for bet mgm and sign up through us this deal is exceptional folks take advantage of those bonus bets you gotta be 21 or over if you or someone you know has a gambling problem please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER the Indiana Pacers are seven and a half point dogs in Utah, 247 total. We do not know the current status of Indiana. They played uh, yesterday. We need their injury report. We didn't have Aaron Neesmith yesterday. So that kind of information is going to be very important. We have 10 to 15% ownership coming into Miles Turner, Jalen Smith, $4,600 Isaiah Jackson and Aaron Neesmith. Uh, at 5,200 that Isaiah Jackson ownership is very interesting to see in relationship to Jonte Porter's ownership. If we're talking about like guys that are going to play that kind of minutes at a 4k center price tag. But as I look at Indiana, assuming Neesmith is in, I'm not all that interested in anything for the Pacers. Same from a 30,000 foot view. Like I want all the Pacers, but when you examine it closer, you see price tags and other guys in their range. It becomes really hard to single anyone out. These guys' prices have just quickly risen since Halliburton's injury. It is a good spot, so I think there's merit to just having exposure to this game. But, man, until we get or if we get some Indiana guys being out, I think that's when 
it will really only open things up. Yeah. Yeah. Like I got 12% of Neesmith. I I have 14% of Isaiah Jackson. Like Miles Turner is always playable. 7,300 going to play 29 minutes or so. That will always be, you know, a reasonable option. Um, I'm getting to 10% of my boy, Andrew Nemhard, who continues to be garbage, uh, but he is still not sharing the floor with TJ McConnell. So usage has been there. Assist rate is there. He just doesn't do anything else. I don't have a stand on the Pacers. And I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. Maybe I'm that changes if we get Neesmith out and may, you know, potentially if anybody else ends up out, they'll start to free up some minutes. You know, we got uh, buddy healed in the starting lineup last time out. Things can look different depending on how that first injury report looks. They definitely can. I mean, right now, Isaiah Jackson would be my favorite piece just because of the ownership and leverage, but he's almost close to 5K now. So I'm with you. Like yeah. nothing from Indiana is close to a lock, at least right now. Utah Jazz side pulling tons of ownership. Uh, double digit ownership to eight different guys. Around 10 for Colin Sexton, Chris Dunn. Walker Kessler, around 20 for Laurie Markinen, Kelly Olinick, and John Collins, and then 30 for Jordan Clarkson and Keontae George. I'm all over the map here. Some of these guys getting ownership like George, I don't have much of, but then I have like 50% Walker Kessler at 5K. I got a lot of Fontecchio who's not getting as much ownership, but I don't have as much Kelly Olinick or John Collins. What do you like from Utah? Because It's a matchup against Indiana, bad defense, really fast-paced team. Jazz have been playing really well as of late, 127 implied total. You got to get to a bunch of Utah, but I think reasonable minds could have very different paths to what they want. They definitely could. I mean, right now, from our tools perspective, Keontae George looks really good. 36% chance of being optimal, 30% ownership. Not sure how that levels out. Would assume that optimal percentage comes down a little bit as the day goes on, but Again, we just don't have value pieces under 5K. The player I feel most comfortable getting to is Jordan Clarkson, under 7K. When they're in spots like this, um, sure, this game has a really tight spread. You're not as worried about him missing his second half rotation or his fourth quarter rotation, excuse me. So you feel good about him getting his full run. He looks like my favorite piece here, price and ownership considered. Markinen looks like a cog in the machine type. He's getting too much ownership, but easy ways to balance that out. He looks like a Really nice filler piece here at 8,400. And then I also like the idea of, of John Collins having upside here. We've seen big men destroy Indiana. Could say the same for Kelly Olenek or Walker Kessler. Um, and then I guess I'm also a little bit interested in the Colin Sextons and Chris Dunn's of the world, yeah. considering the ownership that Clarkson and George are getting. There's a I've lot got- to like here. 28, yeah, yeah, like I've got 28% of done, so I'm there. I see him as a value play. I'm a little over the field on Colin Sexton. I'm a little apprehensive of that Keontae George projection that we have right now. Uh, we've got him in for 26 minutes. He played 26 and a half on the 13th. In the previous six games, 24, 22, 22, 16, 20, and 23, he hasn't been to that 26 number at all recently. Like basically at any time in like... I mean, really the past 11 games, that's sort of like a ceiling for him. So I think that's a little lofty. I think probably like in that 23 range, 24 would land him a little bit more reasonably. Um, 
Fontecchio is a guy that I get to. He seems to fall into minutes no matter what's really happening, although they have been coming back down a little bit, but only 8% owned. He's not a great per minute dude. I just have a lot of Utah in different configurations. Kessler is the guy that I'm really interested in, though, at 5K. You know, we're talking about a 1.1 fantasy point per minute dude against Indiana. You know, if you're seeing that much ownership coming into Isaiah Jackson on the opposite side, I'm just as interested in Kessler, who should be playing more minutes than Jackson does. I mean, now Kessler's in the same price range as like the Chad Youngs of the world. So like, yeah, he's yeah. more expensive, but ultimately tons more upside in a guy like Walker Kessler. In Utah's funny for me on this slate. Like they're getting, you don't usually see teams like this that don't have any injuries that are priced fairly getting like so much ownership. But because yeah. every team on the slate is like that and Utah's just in the best spot, they're the ones getting ownership and. I really don't have any arguments for it right now. All these guys look really good just considering the matchup they're in. It's it's really crazy to think that what, eight, basically nine guys have 10% right? or more ownership? They're by far the highest owned team on the slate. Toronto is probably second, but in terms of community of ownership, it, it's Utah all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got They've got 161% combined. Toronto has 137, but it's, that's coming in like in bulk in a couple of people, whereas Utah is even more spread out to additional bodies. Mm-hmm. They just look really good. That's what happens when you face the Pacers. Yeah, you're facing the Pacers, and there's just not a lot of good options on this slate. When you look at our boom bust tool, like the top half of it, like most of the players aren't on this slate. No, no, it's it's all in one of those first five games that are happening in the two and three gamers. And then we get to Oklahoma city. They have, they are one and a half point dogs in Los Angeles, 238 total. Call it 10 to 15% ownership on Chet, Isaiah, Joe, Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy, Kenrich Williams, and Lou Dort. That's six dudes plus 25% ownership to SGA as the highest owned payup option on today's slate. The problem here is that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is questionable, and this game starts 90 minutes after the Indiana-Utah game. If Shea ends up out, it becomes jam city to OKC. Every single dude on this team looks better. You're you're playing a ton of Case and Wallace. You're getting to a lot of Giddy. You're getting to a lot of Dort, of Jalen Williams. You're just getting to everything from OKC. But if Shea is in, how well? how much do you like him, and what else do you like? So if Shea is in, I like him for sure. I mean... He's probably a little bit too cheap at 10-2. Same price range as Donovan Mitchell. You know, I like Mitchell as a GPP pivot, but we have Shea projected for more as he should be. So, you know, on a just on paper play, I like Shea more. I like these guys even if Shea is in, though. Jalen Williams has really been playing good ball. Chet Holmgren we know has upside. Those are the main two. If Shea happens to be out, those two plus Giddy become arguably the top three plays on the slate with value options opening up all over the place, whether it's Case and Wallace, Case and Wallace, Trey Mann. Um, I want a lot of OKC here either way. And if he's out, I mean, as much as I can get. Yeah, I think we end up getting a lot of Case and Wallace just because of that price point. Although it depends when the news comes out. Because if the news comes out at like 901, then it's not Case and Wallace that becomes as interesting because you don't need that salary as much. Like, sure, he is going to get more ownership, 
But Case and Wallace will be exceptionally owned if this news comes out at six o'clock in comparison to 901. Right. Because then you're rostering the Case and Wallace with Mitchell, et cetera. You don't yep. have that late with you. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting dynamic. He'll still pick up love because if you've got any other spots, you're then going to like Case and Wallace plus Jalen Williams instead right. of, or like Case and Wallace plus AD instead right. of. Lou Dort and Josh Giddy or something like or the that. Utah you know, I, I know those salaries aren't even close, but you know what I mean? For some reason, I keep thinking the Utah game is like the same time, but it's not. This game's no. 90 minutes later, which is so big for this slate. The opposite why, side of this one is... That's why ahead. you just said 901. Now I'm with Yeah, Yeah, so the opposite side of this one's pretty simple. 14% ownership to AD, 12 to LeBron. Uh... It's a very easy team to talk about, generally speaking. Cam Reddish is going to be out for this one. I like AD more than I like SGA. I have 38%. He's projected for 14% ownership. I really like this spot for Anthony Davis. I think his skill set is uniquely solid against OKC. Like His size against Chet is a benefit for him. At the top, top end for Chet, I don't know how ready he is for like the ultra big man that's talented. The very top is, end. Yeah, not that's not to look down on Chet. It's just like, you got to learn what that is at this point. So I really like getting to AD, mostly because he's got power forward eligibility, and that's just awesome for today. Yeah, I love AD here. Maybe my favorite play on the slate. I'm so with you. Chet is, I'm a huge Chet guy. I think his upside yeah. is really, really high in this league, but he's just not mature physically enough to handle the ad's and beads of the world there aren't that yeah. many of them but those are the no. guys no so like no he's AD gonna be should, fine for just about everybody right ad should do work here i mean listen yeah. he's probably one of if not the best offensive big man in the game right there with them well besides Jokic, i should say um sure. he looks great here uh same price point as shay it does seem like the I know this is about where AD is normally priced, but wouldn't have been surprised to see him a little bit more expensive just considering what they did pricing the entire slate out. Yeah. I'm with you. Like AD looks great here. He's my favorite spend-up option. And the other thing about it is he, he gives you room for, for roster construction maneuvering when you have him in your lineup if Shea is out. Yep. Yeah, That it's the power forward for me that's really getting me just to as much as I can. His rebound prop is 12 and a half with juice to the over Oklahoma city is a terrible rebounding team. They're a terrible rebounding team on purpose. That's just not the way that they construct their team. It's the thing they are willing to give up, but if they're willing to give that up, that's going to be Anthony Davis's game. I think he's very live for like a, a, a 25 and 20 type game or 30 and 20 type game. I completely agree with you. Um, and I'm just thinking about it. The power forward eligibility obviously makes him that much more desirable. I think you could easily roster him at center on this slate too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think he looks fantastic. He's he's probably my favorite play of the day if we're talking about like guys that I'm getting to a lot and guys that are real. Like the combination right. of AD and Donovan Mitchell is really good for me. I get to save that a couple hundred dollars off of Shea. If we create any value, I'll feel even better about it. Yeah, then all of a sudden, if you get Shea out, I mean, that's who you want. So I'm, yeah. I'm with that for sure. 
Five games up, five games down. We zip through this bad boy. If you're playing the early slate, that one locks at 1 p.m. on DraftKings. So you got about two hours. But we have NFL Strategy Show coming up next. Now, did you want to add anything else to this slate before we get out of here? Oh, I got. Shout out to BetMGM. Shout out to Jordan for producing. Deeper dive tonight at 5, live before lock tonight at 6. Hit the like button on your way out the door. Make sure you're sticking around for NFL Strategy Show. Taking it in. We got two NFL games on a Monday. Can't beat it. We'll talk to you later.